0: there's a focus on the family we have our bullets that it comes in each month if you look at that doesn't that smile look like Patrick <laughs> as soon as I saw that I said "That look like Patrick right there How did he get in the just he has that big old smile all the time I always wonder what he's up to he got that smile all the time but then I look at his dad and I say yeah he's, I know what he's up to uh-huh. alright you have your Bibles let's hold those up I'm a child of God I have in my hand the powerful word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, high five, pound. Lean over and give a hug. How about give a hug? Give a hug. We need a hug. We don't get a, and squeeze them hard if they look like they're dipping on us here okay squeeze them hard in these tough times and we are in tough times there's no doubt about that. I mean trillion dollar debt I, I can't wrap my I can't wrap my mind around those kinds of numbers can you I just I mean people are trying to describe what that means some guy was talking about how tall the pile is I, I can't see that pile you know I just can't see. There's lots of zeros, and, and, and my goodness, we're in tough times, aren't we? But I will say this. For people of faith, this is our time. Because, you see, we will not give in and crumble to the pressures around us because we love each other. And we love a Heavenly Father that loves us. And who has promised, I will take care of you. Does he not say that? I'll take care of you. Now, if you've got two cars, you might have to go to one. If you've got a real expensive car, you might have to go to a less expensive car. And by the way, they're almost giving them away right now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? It could be good times. could good, be good times. For my son, who said after selling a house, I will never buy a house, and now 60 days later he's buying a house cheaper than the house that he had in Brazil. I'm looking to buy another house myself. My goodness. And there's some good things on the horizon if you'll just open your eyes and see them. They're out there. Okay. But I, I thought it would be good for us through the month of March, flip-flop month, and we're all going to be struggling this month to talk about lessons from Job. Any of you ever anybody know Job? Any of you feel like Job? <laughs> Today I feel like Job. Making me get up early, preacher. I feel like Job. I want to talk today out of the first two chapters of Job about choosing faith in the midst of suffering. When 38-year-old Carlotta Bennett realized the water in her house had reached her family's hiding place in the attic, she lost control of her emotions. She had good reason to panic. Hurricane Katrina was blowing sections of the roof off her home. Her house was off its foundation. The rising water threatening to drown the five people trapped in the attic. Two huge pecan trees had fallen around the house, one in the front, the other in the back. As the house shifted from side to side, the trees wedged the house in place and kept it from collapsing. Every new blast of wind and that rising water threatened to kill the entire family. And when Carlotta's four-year-old daughter decided it was time during this episode to pray, Bennett said, I've never been so scared in my life, but that's when Armenta our, our said, Mama, you got to calm down. Let's pray. She grabbed all of us by the hand and we started praying. And when the child said, Amen, the water started receding. When the family scrambled down the attic stairs, they found almost every entrance blocked by the trees that literally saved their lives. Clayberg Bennett, Carlotta's husband, led his family through a window and all five members gingerly made their way to a middle school where they would stay for the next ten days. Once it was over, Carlotta said, we had to get out, but we couldn't get out the door. The roots of that tree pulled the porch up to the front uh, up in front of, of the door, so we had to climb out a window. A beam fell on my back, so i couldn 't hardly walk once we got outside. We had to walk on top of debris with nails sticking up everywhere, and all kinds of seafood on the ground. It was awful. Four people in the neighborhood were dead, many were injured. The sound of howling winds gave way to the sounds of screaming people and collapsing houses. A casino barge. Floated down the Bennett Street less, what's that, where they lived less than two blocks from the coast. There was, a sh, uh, there was a shed floating down our street and a riding lawnmower, Bennett said. There were photo albums open in our yard, photo albums from other people's homes. We had two cars, but they just left. We lost everything. And at the middle school, more than 350 people, many of them injured, lived without... Running water or electricity for the next week and a half. The Red Cross. Praise God for the Red Cross. Delivered. He's bathed outside from a water spigot. Refused to flush. The conditions were becoming dangerously unhealthy. After five days, most of the families moved outside where they lived on the parking lot for five more days. And with their world in disarray and the fading hopes for a rescue, the Bennetts and others. And in the face of such a disaster, it was the only thing they knew to do. People. Hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes as long as humans and forces of nature have been doing battle when the storms finally subside there's another battle that rages and it's the battle of the heart and as people ask a very important question why would the god who created us allow so much suffering maybe you've asked that question thankfully the bible isn't afraid of the tough questions about suffering one of the oldest stories that's recorded in history anchors in a heavy place in the Bible and it's about the man named Job who undergoes so much suffering no mother on earth would ever give her son that name, Job you don't hear many kids named Job, do you? but we've never we've never forgotten Job, have we? in fact, the way we dealt with his suffering has been a source of strength ever since people began searching the Bible for answers Job responded He responded to this suffering with great faith. His story, his response, leaves us with a very important question. And here's that question. How will you respond when your world caves in? Will you dare choose faith? If you make the choice of faith, the battle with suffering is far from over. Like that waterlogged Bennett family in Biloxi, Mississippi, sometimes the biggest battle comes after the storms passed. And in today's message, I want to give you three things that choosing faith won't do for those who suffer. And then I want to give you three things that choosing faith will do. Let's start with the will nots. First of all, choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not eliminate the pain. Job was nearly crushed by the pain of suffering. He tore his robe, shaved his head. Look at verse 20 of chapter 1. And he fell to the ground when he heard that his children had died. In chapter 2 and verse 7, it talks about his physical ailments were so, so painful, the, the boils that he had on his body, that he was using a, a broken piece of pottery to do homemade surgery. And yet in the midst of such pain and heartache, Job issued some of the greatest statements of faith ever heard. Look at verse 21 of chapter 1. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Chapter 2, verse 10. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this Job did not sin in what he said. You see, people say, well, why does God allow things to happen to good people? It's all about sin in a nutshell, isn't it? And it's really about choice. When bad things happen to you, I didn't get right? You did. But God might be using you to be a testimony of His power and His love. Because in the midst of our struggle, when we praise the Lord. That makes no sense to the world. They don't get it. I've enjoyed Julie's testimony through all of this with this. When she finds out she's got it, and the doctor says, yeah, don't worry about it. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> There's a tumor in my head. What do you mean I don't worry about it? Well, we'll watch it and see if it grows. Well, sure enough, less than the, the time frame they said they're watching it, it started growing. To the point where they said, hey, we got to get that out of there. I tried to tell you that a long time ago, right? Sure. But I've been been encouraged by her faith. She goes, but you know what? It's going to be all right. Because in the midst of all of our struggles and all of our turmoil, guess what? It will be. It will be. Because Christians are pulled together, and we'll hang together. Around you that are troubling, they're worried to death. Just tell them to relax, take a, take a deep breath, because God is still on the throne. And like our sign says out front, there is no recession and there's no pressure. Nothing's going on in heaven. It's still there. Is that you? presence home and the professor's son secured his gift ran toward his parents tripped and fell to the floor the gift went airborne and when it landed on the cafeteria floor that shattering sound stopped all conversations it was perfectly quiet for a moment all involved considered the magnitude of the loss and for the five-year-old there had never been a more expensive gift. And he crumpled down on the floor next to his broken gift and started crying. Both parents rushed to the son, but the father was uncomfortable with the moment. People were watching. His son was crying. He patted the boy on the head. He said, son, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Well, his wife glared at him. Thank you, wives, for helping us men understand. She glared at him. She said, oh, yes, it matters. Oh, yes, it does matter. And She cradled her son in her arms. She rocked him back and forth, and she cried with him. In a few minutes, the crying ceased. Now, said the mother, let's go home and see what we can make of what's left. And so the mother's magic (laughs) and a glue gun put together the broken pieces And a multicolored butterfly amazingly appeared from the artwork. And what seemed to be tragic actually became more beautiful than it was before it was broken. At Christmas, the gift was finally given. And as long as he taught at Harvard University, the professor kept the butterfly on his desk as a constant reminder that grief is real and that loss hurts. And it's also a reminder that from great loss, great beauty can emerge. Choosing faith will not eliminate the pain. secondly, choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not stop the question. In the book of Job, there are two chapters of great faith, followed by 35 chapters of great questions. Job wasn't alone with his questions. Uh, the prophet had said would be his remember how he began psalm 13 how long O lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me ever felt that way paul wasted two years in a prison cell in caesarea and right in the middle of his best church planning days he's thrown in prison and maybe that's where he's learned that the holy spirit would take over Uh, his desperate prayers when he had run out of painful words you've maybe read these verses if you haven't here they are in romans chapter 8 26 and 27 it says in the same way the spirit helps in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express and he who searched our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with god's will The question about suffering even reached the mouth of Jesus as he genuinely wrestled with that internal agony before the crucifixion. Must I really do this in Luke 22, he says. But he says, and he's praying, it says his great drops of blood popped on his forehead. He would ask the question, is there no other way? choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not eliminate pain, it will not stop the question, and thirdly it will not create a logical reason for your suffering the book of Job presents one of the most unusual pictures in all the Bible in the first chapter God has a meeting and who comes to the meeting but Satan himself Satan is at the meeting and they carry on a conversation and it's, they're, they're, they're subject to this near flawless man named Job. And Satan inquires how that he might be tortured. And it was a test fit for the Roman Colosseum. And God Himself takes a seat to see how much of a beating the overpowered Job can take. And we don't like anything about this. away. The more you give yourself away, which is what you did to that loved one for so many years, as you begin to give yourself away again, then you find blessing. You find blessing. I'm going to ask you to do something for me over the next 11 weeks. May 15, 16, and 17, We've invited Mark Barrier. Many of you will remember Mark. He came a number of years ago. Did, for several years, did a spring Bible conference for him. And I, I'll never will forget the, the uh, Friday night. He said, come tomorrow morning and I'll tell you who the Antichrist is. Well, we had a pack house. You know? But that's the type of teaching you'll get. It's going to be awesome. He's going to do some out of Isaiah and out of Psalms, and it's going to be awesome. But I want him to know that we're praying for him. And encouraging him in these 11 weeks leading up to that on the back table every Sunday I'm gonna have five cards already stamped, already addressed if you'll take the envelope of the card simply sign your name in there maybe write him a little note that we're looking forward to him coming praying for you yada yada whatever you want to say then just drop that in the mail for them. if you would do that pick those up they're back there on the table by a little table tent that says prayer cards, Mark Berry, just pick them up, take them, five of them, they'll have five every week, he'll get nearly 60 cards by the time he comes, and I'm just praying for good things to happen that weekend, there'll be a weekend, you'll want to bring friends, you'll want to invite people to come, because they will be blessed, we'll have a Friday night session, a Saturday morning, s- Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, Bible school and church, uh, we'll be back to our regular schedule by then, okay, so I uh, just want you to know that it's coming, but I want you to be involved in that and join us in prayer as we bring Mark here. And and I'm telling you, when we suffer, when we go through things in life, they just don't make sense. And it's difficult, but we've got to get involved in life. We want every new baby to have a good family, a good childhood, a good education, and eventually fulfill... A well-compensated job and a good, have a good home and a retirement and, and and just have that perfect life. We want all of our children to to do that. And yet, when we read time after time in the paper, or listen to the news reports, time after time, and we hear of children being abused and being hurt and being neglected and abandoned, it just crushes our heart. These young people have friends who come from broken homes, who that's all they've ever known. That's all they've known. Our expectation of that perfect life, however, collides with reality. Suffering comes well-armed with grief, hardship, misfortune, illness, crisis, tragedy. You fill in the blank. It pays no attention to age, to sex, to nationality, or to the size of one's bank account. Have you noticed? Unless you're a CEO on Wall Street, I guess. They're the only guys getting it. I love the guy that got $60 million in bonus and turned around and gave it all back to his people. Even the ones that got laid off. That's the guy I want to work for, amen? I'm ready to fire the rest of them who think we work for them. Wouldn't it be great if a million people literally marched on Washington and just walked right on into the door? Walked right on into the seat. Walked right on into where they sit and took their seat. I love the one, the commercial with the next tail and the firemen are in there. All right, we need water. Yeah, water. Okay, pass. Okay, pass. Okay, well, this the easiest job I've ever had. And walks out and they pass what eight, eight bills. Boom, boom, boom. Done it. Need water? Sure, let's go. You see, it's not. It doesn't take a lot, does it? But it takes faith. We've got to choose faith. We got to live by faith. First Corinthians one eighteen for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Paul writes that, but, but to us we are, who are being saved, it's the power of God. That's exactly right. In, in chapter 2 and verse 9, let me show you how this, this uh, uh, the calamity can come. In chapter 2 and verse 9, is the only place in the whole book of Job that, that his wife says anything. Look what she says. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die! Man, boy, I lift me up here with this woman. Curse God and die. Why are you holding on to your integrity? I'm so glad that Job was a man of faith. Despite all the reasons why Job, while Job might not have chosen faith in the midst of the suffering, he did choose faith anyway. He made a better choice and he survived his season of grief. Have you discovered that grief? trouble comes with a season it's not forever it seems like it in the midst of it but it does have an end hallelujah hallelujah so let me give you three quick reasons why choosing faith in the midst of suffering will remind you that god is in control number and that's the first one is that when when you choose it god is in control when you choose faith god will be in control And it's a tough choice But when we choose faith We trust in the very God Who allows the difficult circumstance in the first place You've got to look careful at Job's story The only being In complete control of all the events In the book of Job is God Throughout that entire event God is always in control Choosing faith Doesn't allow God To be in control It only reminds us Of the truth That He is study the conversation between god and satan and job would have struggled with such such a conversation much as we do job wouldn't have liked the conversation nor would it have made sense to him but there's no doubt that the conversation was crystal clear to god god wasn't tricked by satan he didn't misunderstand god carefully weighed the options and considered all the ramifications and he made a choice at no time was god out of control so why would God do that? Why would God pick on job? I mean what he did? when you are called to the kingdom and you now enter a warfare and you may be called on by God to take a stand for him. Can I get an amen? So when you have struggle in your life and you stand up in the midst of that with faith and you choose faith guess who gets praised? our Heavenly Father. When you look at the doctor and he says, you're not going to make it six months. Hallelujah. He's going to look at you like you're an idiot. You say, well, you know, if I'm going to I'm going to die anyway. All of us are going to die. Aren't we, doctor? You plan to live the rest of your life? You plan to live forever? I do. Born once to die twice. Born twice to die once. Huh? Devil's in the phone booth and he's calling nine one one. That's choosing faith, isn't it? That's choosing faith. Job was wise enough to know that God had control, even in, on the good days as well as the bad. His successes in life were God-controlled. Job learned a lesson that must be remembered in a time of suffering. Nothing about your present circumstances, good or bad, have changed the first thing about the nature of God, and that is is that He loves you and has given you eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Nothing's changed about that. He is still in control. All the leaders of the world can make all the decisions they think they're making in some form of power, but in the end, the Bible says that every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Are you with me? Are you with me? In the midst of, his, of the worst of it, he knew so little that seemed secure. He hung on to this truth. In uh, chapter 19 and verse 25, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in, in the end, He will stand upon the earth. Without the circumstances, we might not have remembered Job's words at all. Understanding how bad Job had it when he said such a thing is what makes the words memorable to us and a precious gift to God. Job wasn't the last man to give such a gift to God who allowed terrible pain. Look at at, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 4 of the book of Philippians and listen to what Paul said. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Paul's in the midst of prison. He is in prison now. His prison in his day wasn't like prison is today. Now, You're locked down. There's no doubt about that. But if you on cable TV, they'll get it for you. They'll bring you three meals a day. If you don't like it, well, they'll they'll rewarm it up for you. If you need exercise, they'll make sure that you've got everything. You, they, in fact, they have a library there. You can get a you can get a law degree while you're in prison. Do you know that? That's true. That's true. They have all kinds of opportunities. Well, I don't think in Paul's day they had those opportunities. (laughs) Not in that prison he was in. And yet he says within the midst of that prison setting, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. On your first visit to Philippi, or their first visit to Philippi, Paul and Silas were wrongly accused, beaten severely, thrown into painful stocks, and put in the town dungeon. They were... Doing it. And at midnight, they were praising and preaching and in Acts 16. They were singing and all of a sudden, they were having that Job-like day. And all of a sudden, during the midnight song service, this miraculous earthquake comes, powerful enough to free the men but not kill them. A single day of suffering, coupled with the two faith-driven men, reacted to that that suffering. It created a church in Philippi that would help change the whole world. It was one of the greatest gifts ever man ever gave their savior had they missed that opportunity they would have never had such a great harvest in that city of philippi the ultimate gift of worship in the midst of suffering is watch jesus as he struggles with the weight of the cross the burden of the task the unspeakable pain and through it all he committed the will of god to his heart and he never let his spirit be committed anywhere else If you're in the midst of suffering you're also in the midst of an incredible opportunity if you can worship now the gift you give may be more valuable than it has ever been or ever will be again i never will forget my father-in-law when he was laid off from a job of 25 years same company they sold out to a company in France and he was turned loose like that when he was at the age of 52 uh, 53 they said you're done they gave him a year severance pay. Praise the Lord for that. And he came back to Tulsa. He was in Chicago. They moved back to Tulsa only to get here. And at 52 and 53, found out nobody really wants to hire you. So he ended up at uh, at a linen service working the graveyard shift because that was all that was available. And at 53 years old, he's getting up at 4 in the morning to go to work. and Or getting home, I should say, at 4 in the morning from work but he's working these crazy hours at that at his age and his health and all of that and I saw him one time making a check out at the at the dinner table and I said Howard what what are you doing there he said uh, he said well I'm making out a tithe check to the church I said well hey this is before he got the job so you don't even have a job yet he said Well, that's not important what's important is that I need to give because God gave to me oh what a lesson my father-in-law taught me about faith he chose faith the interesting thing is that he got ready to retire, fully retire and the Social Security Administration wrote him and said uh, Mr. Johnson, his name is Howard Johnson by the way, not not the Howard Johnson, but I guess he is the Howard Johnson but not the Howard Johnson that we know or should Ah, eh, move on So he gets this letter from the uh, from the uh, Social Security Administration they said mr. Johnson, we have a uh, severance package that uh, Salerno Bakery has not paid out to you and is setting in our account accruing interest and we want to know what you want us to do with this amount of money he, you want a lump check or you want us to installments? and he said well how much is it and they said seventy eight thousand dollars they kept paying his retirement into the into his retirement account annuity even after they severed his re- <laughs> employment and he says well I'll just take that one check and be fine <laughs> So they sent him the check, and then he reinvested that. Now, is that not God? That's God. When I heard that story, it brought tears to my eyes because I knew exactly what was going on. That was God. That was God. And in the midst, if we choose faith in the midst of suffering, we're reminded that God's in control. Also, it becomes a rare gift to God. And then thirdly, choosing faith in the midst of suffering will bring you closer to God. Though he didn't know it yet, Job was on his way to the most intimate encounter with God that he had ever had in his whole life. Through that season of suffering he had, that had fallen on him, he was starting to, a short journey that would lead to the greatest understanding of who God was. The road of suffering was the only road that would lead him to a more intimate encounter with God. Unfortunately, not every person comes closer to God through the road of suffering. Some used the road to go in the opposite direction, going farther away from God than ever before. Pharaoh, for instance, destroyed his entire country when he refused to acknowledge God in the midst of a pre-Exodus suffering. Most of the kings that would rule the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah couldn't find faith in the midst of various hardships. Both kingdoms fell as a a direct result of their faithlessness. A rich man, afraid to suffer the loss of his material wealth, missed walking with the Messiah. Judas was overwhelmed by his own self-inflicted heartache. He missed the resurrection. But for every lost opportunity, the Bible provides plenty of success stories. All the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, uh, Moses, they suffered for decades before seeing how faithful God could be. To those who simply would let go of the rope of, of faith. David became more than a king. He became the most beloved songwriter in the history of faith. The most of his great psalms came straight out of his seasons of suffering. After the heady days of popularity disappeared, the disciples knew suffering. But thankfully, they also found a life changing resurrection at the end of the worst weekend of their lives. To say that they learned more about God through that weekend would be an understatement. They found that the Jesus they'd followed was the confirmed Christ, the Son of God, a Messiah who faced great suffering and did it with great courage. Ever since those who suffered and looked for God have been finding hope in the Savior who died for them. Let me pick up on the final part of that story that I started with. For more than a week, the Bennetts suffered in a forgotten corner of Biloxi. The nation's focus was on the flooded New Orleans. Few reporters had waded the waters of the Mississippi to see the damage. However, one news team finally found the families living on a middle school parking lot. The pictures and the stories were soon beamed around the country. Reverend Matt Stacy, pastor of the Antioch Baptist Church in tiny Pavo, Georgia decided it was time to act. He arranged for eight buses to pick up the hurricane victims and bring them to a Baptist assembly where 259 people found hot food, comfortable beds, and clean restrooms. Local schools and businesses began donating shoes, clothing, money, and food. It was heaven, Carlotta Bennett said of her arrival at the assembly in uh, Norman Park. That's all I've got to say. They had food waiting for us when, they, when we got there. They had a wheelchair waiting for me. The next day I had medicine. We had two beds and our own bathroom. They took care of us. They really did. We prayed for a miracle. And it came. In time, the family found even better lodging at a local church and complete medical care. Eventually, the family hopes to be back in Biloxi and, and, and hopefully they're there by now. Clayberg, the dad... Uh, would return first he, he hoped to find work in construction it was the job that he knew but the family will be profoundly different when they're back on their feet in Biloxi again they will be profoundly changed in a different way Carlotta said it this way after this experience we just changed our life we found the Lord and it was time I saw my life flash before my eyes in that attic and it was time we, had, we did something different surrounded by the care they received in georgia the bennett family prayed to receive christ they were baptized on september the 19th three weeks to the day after they first walked away from the hurricane that changed their life carlotta says she'll never return to her job in a biloxi casino and she's because it floated down her street she says the entire family will be committed to christ and they're going to be active in a local church listen to what she says i just know i can't work in the casino again no sir I can't work right I can't work right now anyway, but once my back gets better, I'll just let the Lord guide me. He will take care of us. The worship team's gonna come. We're gonna close. Is God taking care of you? Are you so anxious about stuff in your life? Are you so anxious about things in your life that you need Christ to take care of? He's ready. Last week, I encourage you to write something down on a piece of paper and bring it up and lay it foot across. I've read through those. Wow! 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 <laughs> I hope you left it there. The things you wrote, I hope that you found the release this week. If no other time, this week you found that release. We're going to sing this song together. The team led us in it last week. I want you to sing the song. This time I want you to sing those words. You might say, well, I don't really know the tune yet. Fine, just read the words with them as they sing. So let those words penetrate. Do you surrender to the Lord? And you, are you ready to let your life be one that chooses faith? Father, I ask you this morning that you do a mighty work in your people God, that something miraculous happens. And Lord, they feel the presence of your spirit moving in. Father, we need to choose faith. The season of doubt, the season of struggle is upon us. May we stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a decision, to Would you as we just stand in Jesus' name?